0: Welcome back to our fourth and final part of our look at Christendom. Uh, We're going to be kind of reviewing a little bit of what happened in uh, Western Europe as well as talking about some of the new innovations that came about uh, and what they build off of and some of the changes then that come with those. So uh, it's going to be a little bit of review. Uh, It's going to be some new information, uh, but uh, it should be good stuff, and I'm going to try to keep it as uh, short and sweet as I can because of some of our other uh, kind of lectures on this going or podcasts going a little bit longer for this. So. Um, starting off just to really set the scene, uh, remember Europe at this time was, was pretty weak. Uh, it was decentralized. Uh, people were living in small manor type systems and, uh, they weren't really developing a lot of things on their own. Um, that was a lot during the the Roman empire. You see that stuff happening after the fall of the Romans that, that kind of subsides and goes away. And, um, so over time though of this, uh, they start to reconnect with the rest of the world. Um. And they start to adopt a lot of other things, and this this is similar to what we see happening um, uh, in Japan after the Tokugawa era. Uh, they start adopting technology. This is what we see in West Africa when they get introduced to the Muslims, and this is what we see happening in in Russia, um, more towards a a modern uh, a modern era in the Russian um, front when we get to like Peter the Great and Catherine the Great and stuff like that, uh, and so. Uh, the Europeans really start to adopt new technology, which then allows them to develop faster and, and really catch up with the world and eventually surpass it. So the, the start is agriculture. You got to fix that up so you get more people, so then you can do more stuff and get more urbanized, and then you can have more people thinking of stuff. So they develop a three-field system that improves their two field system where they planted on one field and left the other field fallow now you plant on two out of your three fields which gets you more food and then you leave one field fallow so that you can keep growing stuff because if you grow your fields constantly you're going to run into um, a degradation of the land they also develop the the heavy uh, moldboard power they adopt it and that allows them to get through the heavier soils um, and allows them to plant in straight rows um well better rows um, still not perfectly straight uh, that'll happen with the seed drill later on in the second agricultural revolution um they develop the horse harness or they get the horse harness from from the east and as well they get iron horseshoes uh from them to put on their the horse's hooves so they can uh, do more work and they also will get the windmill and water mills which will allow them to grind grain more easily so they don't have to spend as much time doing that or using animal power for that uh, and that will also be transferred over to other industries later on. Um, in warfare, uh, you get some major inventions. Uh, uh, I mean, just the, the fighting style changes. You get knights in, in full uh, steel armor, um, and uh, that's really expensive, though, uh, and so you don't see a lot of people doing that, uh, but uh, you do get specialized. Those, those knights, those, that special order has that, uh, but you see other things like the longbow, uh, you see the crossbow, those then start to uh, limit the power of the knights because knights are super expensive and anyone can kind of fire a longbow from a long distance and take out that knight then. Um, so it's not necessarily a good thing. And then you get gunpowder coming in with cannons that uh, change how you have to build your walls and change what you can do on the battlefield. So um, we see major changes there going on with that. And the, the main setting we see for that is actually the, the Hundred Years War between uh, England and, and France. And then in navigation, we see improvements. We talked about these with um, the trade unit, uh, but you have the compass, the stern post rudder, the Latin sail. All those help improve uh, trade and allow them to become uh, better traders and uh, trade over a longer distance. And then um, in government, we look at it as as kind of a bad thing that they're never going to be united again. Uh, There is no central government that's going to take over things, uh, as well as then language and everything else, and cultures become more dispersed. But... Um, this leads to uh, constant improvement in their militaries. And so they're all looking for the next uh, big item to use and implement so they can get one up on each other, as well as this then turns over to their uh, competition in economies. Um, and so they start to rival each other. So they help build each other up, even though this is a negative thing that they can't all unite. Uh, the competition makes them uh, better. Um, as well, the the states or the governments, the leaders of it, the monarchs, um, will try to unify their group of people um, to do it, but they also can't overreach their bounds. They're limited by the, the church. Um, and we see that happening with the investiture controversy where the Holy Roman Empire gets uh, excommunicated and has to get forgiven by the Pope so that he can still rule and not get killed by his own people. Um, and we see in, in some areas where the monarchs don't have any power, uh, like in the city-states. Uh, we see those rising up around the Baltic for trade and also in Italy for trade. Uh, And these city-states become very wealthy and can kind of fend themselves or fend for themselves. And so you get examples like that of Venice, Florence, Milan, uh, Riga in in the Baltic. Um, Venice, Milan, and Florence are all in in Italy. And this will lay the foundation for capitalism. We are still a long ways away from that, but you start to get um, really some people focusing on trade and and making money in that way and selling products and and really innovating things. Um, And... Uh, the one thing it does do then is it reemphasizes uh, representative types of governments because in the city-states you see a lot more of that going on than you do in the, in the larger kingdoms. Um, and then the last kind of two things is we see education or really kind of one major thing we'll lump it under this. Of We see the uh, education coming back, um, especially with the look at the classics or what we saw in, in Rome and in Greece. Uh, The church will bring in and integrate some Greek philosophers into their teachings, Uh, especially this happens after the Crusades. The main one they bring in are like Plato and Aristotle. And then we see universities being established, like uh, one of the oldest being Oxford. Um, They're established in the 1000s. And um, I mean, that's where you get a place where you can kind of question um, faith a little bit. You can question the church and its... Uh, but you also can go get educated there and become, you get lawyers coming out about that. You get better government officials working it. Um, and so uh, we start to get a foundation of human reason is a good thing. Um, and uh, originally it's there to prove that faith is real and whatnot, but then that'll shift over time. And we kind of see that happening today where you have a divide between science and, uh, and church. Um, it it leads to the development of the sciences without these universities, without this foundation here, you don't have that happening. And, um, you, you get kind of the foundation of, of what becomes, what, what should you be reading in university? So you get things like Aristotle and Plato again, very similar to what the church is starting to look at. And, um, it becomes kind of, uh, different though, from, um, what the Arabic, um, in the Arab empires, what their education looked like, and what the, what the Byzantines looked like. Um, so it, it becomes its own thing. Uh, but they do adopt things from them. They take the teachings from those other areas uh, uh, for what they can, because they want to learn as much as they can, because they've been kind of out of the loop for a little while. So um, what we'll eventually get is this idea of, um, of religion being kind of one thing, and academics being something separate, and not being totally integral or completely apart of one another. And uh, this is all going to lead up. The reason why we talk about these things is because without these things happening, without the higher population, uh, we don't get cities growing. Without cities growing, you don't have, well, one, the terribleness of what will happen with the Black Death, but then also um, you won't get the revitalization of the population and the renaissance coming out of it, as well as, again, with the universities, the Greek thinking and all that stuff, you don't get the renaissance out of it without the capital coming into Italy you don't get the Renaissance. So all this stuff here is it's really important because it sets up the Renaissance, which we'll be taking a look at in, in a couple chapters when we look at Chapter 12. So that's kind of everything for Christendom. Um, and uh, next week we'll be taking a look at the, the Mongols.